Greetings ladies and mentalgents, and welcome to this latest video. There is no epic loot here, only puns, taken from the website Royal Road. The link to the story will be down below. If you wish to support the author, please head over there and give them support. If you wish to support the channel, there are numerous ways to do so down below. There is Discord, Merch, Patreon, bunch of other stuff too. So have a look in the description, you might be surprised. Anyways, now on to the fiction. As always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 148 Moral Fiber Estelle shifted as she stood outside the burning mushroom door inside the maze. The door looked to be covered in slowly blooming red flowers that attracted butterflies from the jungle above. As she and Silver Order neared the door, the temperature had slowly begun to rise to an uncomfortable level. Given that they were already in a hot, humid jungle, Estelle wasn't exactly happy with this change. I see one more hot spring and I am out, she muttered as she pushed on the large stone door. The door moved effortlessly as Estelle was about to praise her own strength when she saw the door was pulled back by roots and plants. We walk into a nexus of power, step lightly, Silver said from behind her, his manner speak not helping her nerve one bit. It was like buzzing on her teeth. Inside the door was a semi-large round chamber of sorts, covered in a myriad of mushrooms and jungle flowers. Vines crawled over every inch of the wall, and the heat seemed to be rising from below somewhere, as if the soil itself covered a hot vent of sorts. Estelle looked around to the far end of the room where her breath caught. Spreading upwards, like a giant, ancient mural, was a painstakingly crafted painting on a bare rocks. The rocky wall smoothed down so as to not distort the image. Estelle subconsciously took a step forward to see the painting lit up by glowing mushrooms and surrounded by trinkets and gifts made by the pygmies. The black is mixed in with a deep blue dye to form a long skirt. Creams and yellows for the same noble buttoned-up shirt, a selection of colorful hues to make up some long ribbon that ran down the front of her shirt. The woman, with a gentle expression, had her eyes closed, as if asleep, but still radiating warmth as if she clasped her hands. The room was some hidden, beautiful shrine to a woman, and the lone figure in the room sat cross-legged before her, a staff across this small lap. Is that the same woman in the memorial room? But she isn't crying here, Silver said quietly. Estelle didn't have the urge to go into some creepy memorial room for a people that died in this dungeon, so she'd take Silver's word for it. The pygmy before the painting was much larger than the other of its kind, covered in a soft grey robe that shifted when they made a stand and turned to face them. Estelle was a wizard, but she knew the feeling of being around people of true faith. This pygmy radiated that power clearly. Those from the outside world, the pygmy spoke, startling both Silver and Estelle as it spoke in a mixture of puffing spores and mana weaving. Why are you here? The priestly mushroom person asked gravely. Estelle then seemed to point in beating around the bush. The bushes in this dungeon were terrifying. We want the key that's in this maze, and I chose this door over the other one because it sounded like a metal machine was screaming inside it, she said bluntly, and Silver sucked in air at that tone. The priest hummed in what might be a laugh. 
The Tinker's Room has uh, its oddities, but I see that you are not one burdened by doubt. The priest mused as leaned on his staff. I'm rude, I get it, but I don't get why everyone is so uppity about it. I'm not stabbing people. I'm not cursing them with magic. I just want to get on with things. Estelle said with a sigh as she pondered as if this was going to be another test of character that made Estelle want to strangle her old classmates and all her father. Manners can open many doors, the priest pygmy suggested. So can a well-placed kick, Estelle countered, but she decided to change the subject back to the key, lest she be drawn into some philosophical debate. Estelle's philosophy never seemed to make others feel better when they heard it. So, um... Do we need to fight, go on a vision quest, or... She waved a hand. The priest just stood there for a moment. You suspect that we're here to stall you? It asked with amusement, clear in its magical tone. You're a unique monsters in a maze. If you aren't here to spin us around, I'll confuse us. Then I don't know why you're here, Estelle said before Silver interjected. They might live here, he pointed out, and Estelle waved him off. His points, while valid, were distracting at her social skills. She was wearing the priest person thing down. I'm afraid this room is naught but a space where I go to reflect on my nature. There is no fight here, the priest said candidly. So, um, you can't help me with the key, Estelle asked, deflated. I never said that. The big me said back just as easily. I was bullied in school, where I was sent by my emotionally distant and disappointed father, which caused me to develop into a form of magic that kept people at bay. There, I poured my heart out. Can I get a clue? Estelle asked, trying not to sound impatient. Child, I'm a priest, but I don't take confessions off the sleeve, the mushroom creature said with an awkward pause. Estelle threw her hands up. What do you want from me? she demanded. The big me gestures to the ground before the painting. I just want you to pick out a gift that is best represents the Great Mother, it said bluntly. There was another pause as Estelle eyed the hundreds of trinkets and gifts. But if I choose the wrong gift, she asked as Silver stared at the piles. Then you choose poorly, the priest said with an ominous tone. Estelle and Silver shared a look. I hope the boys are having a worse time than us. She muttered as she looked with the wooden swords, clay birds, pots decorated with fish, a bowl of berries, some carriage and four wheels, a plate decorated with the sun and moon, tons of books with covers that Estelle wanted to take with her. And on it went. What sort of gift represented their dungeon core? What was the weirdest and most dysfunctional thing Estelle could find? I bet that Estelle is having fun. Hazar wheezed as he and Khan looked around at the chamber as green vapors slowly pumped themselves into the room through tiny vents. Above them, on an alcove, a pygmy covered in smaller boil-like mushrooms watched them and searched around the room. Ten minutes until your lungs make the mushroom grove look tame in comparison, the raspy voice warned. Hazar looked around in the room for the antidote the pygmy promised existed. Bottles upon bottles of liquid lined every space that could hold a bottle. Some bottles were thin and red. Others were round and blue. Some were spiral-shaped and slightly off-brown. There seemed to be no rhyme or reason to the placement, and Hazel was getting close to asking for a clue. Khan went for the first table and picked up a bottle. It was round, and he just uncorked it, downing it without any careful examination. There was a pause as he shuddered and fell to his knees, Coughing, 
before Hazar could plead for the test to stop. Khan threw up what looked like a mess of mushrooms and bile before he perked up. Hazar stared at the empty bottle in his hands. How? Why? How did you know? He asked roughly to Khan, who shrugged casually. If I were going to die, I could just die faster by doing something rather than slowly and in pain, he explained. Hazar looked around the stone chamber and then remaining thousand or so bottles before he decided that he might as well. He didn't think Delta would let such a gruesome trial be held if the answer wasn't within reach. He took the bottle next to Khan's, a goat horn glass vial, and he downed. Khan blinked as he reached his hands to see his fingernails turn a deep shade of blue. I think that might have been a mistake, he said with a frown, and Hazar tried to throw his drink back up. But it was too late. He knelt, also throwing up the mushroom bile before on his bald head, two cold ramholms formed. Madame Farah had excess Delta surprise. They blend well with the antidote. The fungal mancer howled in laughter as he slapped his knee. I think I look rather fetching, Gon said, stretching his hand away from to admire the midnight blue nails he now had. Hazer numbly touched his horns and planned to remove them with his axe, if need be, before Estelle saw him. Oh, well, that was great. Thank you, outsiders, the fungal mancer said, wiping his tiny face under his hood as he stood up. All right, just go through this door and you'll be in the inner maze hallways, he said, and at the back of the room, a stone part of the wall slid away to reveal another dark passage. Can we get the antidote to the horns? Hazar called up desperately. The fungal monster looked down at him and began to retreat into the shadows of the arches with a cackle. If you have a case of sudden horns, try asking a responsible friend for a bonk, he said, and Hazar watched it vanish. Bonk? Some kind of dungeon magic? Maybe inside the maze? Do you think if I drink this one it might have an effect? Khan asked, holding up a curvaceous feminine torso bottle. Hazel looked at him right in the eyes and spoke. If you wish to become a woman on any level, I support you as a teammate and a fellow warrior. However, I would say please don't, since you really don't appreciate what the extra weight will do to your fighting posture. Hazel said slowly and clearly. Khan's smile dropped. Talk about your dead weight. Well, I'm keeping the bottle. Khan said stubbornly and walked into the passage. Hazel looked around with a sigh for a bottle that might just get him drunk, but... He didn't see any beer guts or beer-shaped glasses, sadly. This dungeon is mad, not me. This dungeon is mad, not me. He repeated like a mantra as he followed Khan. Estelle held up a strange melted object that had nails and what looked like half a pot melted into molten slag sphere. Ah-ha! She declared. Oh, that's not part of the test. The tinker left it here by accident when he came here to complain about the combustion and other nonsense. The priest spoke, taking the object before Estelle could say anything. Estelle stared in disbelief. That was the best met. She turned to Silver, who was just slowly looking over everything with an air of delight. She didn't know how to read him at all. Any ideas? She finally asked, knowing that he might have a handle on the dungeon more than her due to his status. There are objects here that show of parts of Delta but I don't see a singular object that encompasses her ideals. Silver said simply, and Estelle tapped her foot as she looked at him. He finally noticed her staring and looked down. Dungeons, 
have an idea, a core concept that everything else is built upon, he said, and Estelle blinked, having not known that. Why? she asked curiously. Silver took a moment to answer as if the information was something he didn't fully want to share. A newborn dungeon does not mature with time as other living beings do. They only grow as they make progress to their next level. They literally are forming their adulthood with each level. A dungeon has to cling to something to build that identity upon. Usually, it's the common material or monsters that they end up forming. But it can be deeper. My, uh, the dungeon I was formed by was known for its silver holes and monsters. They even had rivers of thin silver that fish and monsters could swim in. The silver mist that could be walked upon. It was beautiful, Silver whispered, exhaling as if saying the words aloud were painful to recall. The pygmy priest watched him closely and Estelle opened her mouth and then closed it. Silver's existence horrified her, but his emotions and pain were genuine and she wanted to say something back, share her own pain or comfort him, but she found it difficult. It was both her own nature as a blunt person and Silver's nature as a human infected by corruption. Or was he a monster using a human as a shell? Such beings were hunted in many countries due to the chaos that they could bring. Even the ones where they were tolerated, they faced much distrust and persecution. In the end, she just stood there as he gathered himself. We are looking for something that is more than mushroom, cooperation and trusting. We are looking for something that embodies all of that and more, he said. That's a lot of things for one object to convey, Estelle responded with a heavy sigh. She looked past him and saw something that she hadn't noticed before. Hanging on the wall by a nail was a key. It was surrounded by pots and pans hanging on a similar nails around with vines and roots, making it blend in for a moment. She slowly walked over to it, noticing how it seemed to be of pale green stone and had a red gem slotted into its round handle. You give someone a key to your home when you trust them, to show they're always invited. This dungeon has been nothing but weird and inviting, she said and paused to think. Well, uh, the catfish was rude, but whatever. She dismissed and reached out for the key. Keys symbolize trust, something to keep safe, and other people, Estelle said, picking up a stream as she plucked the key and presented it to the priest with a triumphant pose. Is this your final, Joyce? the priest asked softly. Estelle's confidence faltered for a single moment before it raged back with the force of an inferno. It is, she declared. Your choice was, the priest began before dozens of vines and roots sprang up, forming a thorny cage around Estelle that trapped her. Poor, the pygmy declared. Silver stared in slight fascination at the scene. I'll strangle you, you sanctimonious little d- Estelle screeched before the cage was fully enclosed, cutting her voice off and fully obscuring her from view. You may still choose something in this room that best represents the Great Mother, the priest said calmly to Silver, deciding not to take offense to Estelle's muffled screams and curses. Silver was about to say something when something Estelle said came back to him. He slowly nodded, letting his robe shift as he walked forward. He had seen things in the room that came close to Delta. A collection of dolls that would have been children, a map of a nearby town, Durance, a painting of three large mushroom creatures, 
and more. But Silva should have known the answer from the start. He gently put a finger on the priest's head. I choose you, he said, and the priest looked right up at him. I'm no gift, it warned. All monsters are creations and gifts to the world from their core. Your existence is a gift, and you are the embodiment of all of her concepts. Fairness, peace, composure, strangeness, and a little bit of misdirection and chaos rolled into one. He said, and the priest didn't answer for a few seconds. You choose wisely. The priest finally announced, and the thorns receded from around Stull, where she looked breathless from a long string of curses and perhaps some spell work to try and set herself free. The painting of Delta rose up to reveal a hidden corridor. This dungeon will test your limits like many others, but its goals is not to break you. It is to help you until you can no longer be helped, the priest explained as it turned to walk back into its small prayer mat. What happens when we can no longer be helped? Silver asked as Estelle stood at his side, puffing and glaring at the priest. The little creature sat on its mat, with its back turned to them. Without a word, every root and bind in the room simultaneously produced a thorn that looked to be close to Silver's hand in length. It was pointedly clear the floor had not done the same by the will of the priest. You get the point, the priest said simply. Crystal clear, let's go, Stahl muttered, quickly moving down the hall. Silver bowed to the priest before leaving. The door closed behind them with an ominous thud. The priest waited until they were gone before shaking its head in disbelief. If he wasn't so sincere, I would have failed him too, it muttered, trying not to blush at Silver's words. It was a gift. The cheek, it was almost like Silver was flirting. It was a pygmy of spoils and cloth, it had taken oaths to the Great Mother... Fifty percent of the items in the room would be a pass. Any object that could be linked to the Great Mother's ideals would be acceptable. It wasn't the priest's fault that they had overthought it, and that the girl had picked something that had a flimsy reasoning at best. The tinker had warned both the priest and the fungalmancer that people might overthink their tests. But to think it might be right was galling to the priest. Not everyone's room could be bullet hell, whatever that was. The priest patted its cheeks and thought of Silver again. Around her, the dark, sensual voice of one of the primal elders let out a romantic jazz tune, and the priest squeaked in embarrassment. Lord Maestro, no, it begged. It ran into the hidden tunnels to escape the music and to meet up with the others. The entire village had turned out to see the outsiders take on the final test. That, and more than a few, wanted to take part in the last obstacle. The hallway... Of Hornets. End of story. This is a special thank you to the one, the only, the legendary Erak Hino, who has become the only tier 6 patron. Just a quick shout out to the T5 peeps Bob the Dragon, Cat Crab Lobster, Data Magnet, Dark Machine, Try Again 95, Feudic Yol, Astraea the Dreamer, Caspar Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Athelia, Meridian 117, and Jordan Buxmorm. Thank you very much. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment, just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. 
I will see you all in the next one. And until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.